Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I am 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast. Sorry, it, that that song really, that, that was it. It was a compilation of some of the songs that would be on the new Persona 3 soundtrack, Persona 3 Reload. It was, Atlas had released a video a couple weeks ago. That's why I didn't let the music continue. We got a lot of stuff to talk about here today. Dallas versus the Washington Commanders and Seattle versus the 49ers. Who else plays today? It's the Detroit Lions, and who? but I, they don't play anybody serious today, right? Yeah, they go up against the Packers. The Packers, usually I would... It's so weird how bad the Packers have been over the last, like, six months. Uh, losing Aaron Rodgers. Losing, not even six months, but two years when you think about it. Like, as much as we kind of... You know, we give flack to the the Raiders for kind of stumbling and bumbling around with Devontae Adams and being like, we don't know what to do with Devontae Adams and da-da-da-da-da. We can kind of extend that unique accolade to the Green Bay Packers and how they were like, we're going to trade away Devontae Adams uh, to try and keep Aaron, and then Aaron left, and then Devontae, and then you're out two of the best players in the NFL. But Detroit plays up against Green Bay. I mean, I don't even watch the Detroit Lions games, if I'm 100% honest with you, because they always get bad matchups. I feel so bad for Detroit, especially even now this year. You know, Dallas will always have these, like, huge divisional matchups against Washington, the uh, the Giants as well. I remember, I'll talk about this later, but there is a suggestion that the Eagles should play up against Dallas on Thanksgiving. I'll talk about that in a couple of minutes as well. But um, there was, there's always like, there's this unique, there's, there's, for me personally, excuse me, maybe not unique is the best way to describe it, but there's always this, you know, air of importance when Dallas plays on Thanksgiving and then kind of like this turn it on, leave it on, you can have it on in the background with the Detroit Lions because it doesn't matter uh, because usually the Detroit Lions don't matter, but now they do matter and they get a cupcake game. And it's just like, even the Washington game, I'm like, I'll watch it. I'll watch it from the opening kickoff to the final kneel down or the final play of the game because it's the Cowboys and it's and the Cowboys are always interesting. Whereas the Lions kind of aren't. And it looks like Seattle. I don't even know if Seattle will have Kenneth Walker and Geno Smith today. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I don't know. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about MVPs. And we'll also have this weird discussion about the NFL as a whole um, because there's this weird kind of like shirking of Dallas. Like people are like, oh, Dallas sucks. And Dallas only plays up against bad teams and da 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 It's like, well, we'll talk about it here in a minute. Um, but let's have a let's have another song play on and then we'll uh, we'll talk about some stuff. Where's the music? Where's the music? Play, play, play the music. Play the music. Thank you.
Sorry about that. I uh, I really just wanted to let that song play out because, man, oh, man, is that such a great, great, great song. Love it. It's essentially, it's essentially like a remix of another song. Hold on. Sorry. I'm just reading this article. It's a remake of a former song in... Um, or from a TV show, not a TV show, hold on, I, like, I'm, I'm mega distracted with Melissa, what's her name, Melissa Barea, and how she, like, left the Scream series, and I didn't even, I didn't watch Scream, the new one with Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera, particularly because I am a gigantic scaredy cat, and I, she's 33 years old, and she looks like she's in her early 20s, Jesus Christ, but I, I didn't watch the new Scream with Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera. Barrea. I, I, my Spanish is bad. Um, because I, um, again, I'm, I'm scared of scary movies. And there's no way on earth you'll ever, ever, unless I am being held against my will, you'll ever see me watch a, uh, a, fucking, a fucking horror movie. You know, unless I'm being forced to. And I just saw this, like, absolutely gorgeous picture of of Melissa Barrera. Because I've been... I've been looking at Israel-Palestine stuff, like, all the time. And it's, like, in my algorithm, it just gave me this gorgeous shot of her. And I just... I have the mind of a gerbil. I get very distracted by beautiful people. It's... It's not... It's not my fault, but I'm trying to be better. Okay? I'm trying to be better. Anyways, um, I got like, I, I finally, yesterday, good news, bad news, right? Uh, put in my two weeks notice. Thank God. Never have to work there again at my job in like two weeks. Thank Christ. But something weird kind of happened at work where, where, um, I'm talking to the assistant manager and the assistant manager, and I'm telling them to like hire more people, et cetera, et cetera. So that way I can get some reprieve because I'm constantly the one that's getting worked like a dog. Everything's harder because we don't have as much people and da, 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 da. And one of the reasons that he gives me that they don't hire more people is because, and this was bullshit and I knew it was bullshit, but one of the reasons why he was like, we can't hire any more people 24 is because we don't have enough hours to go around, which that's bullshit. But then also he was like, well, if we hire more people, then you won't make as much money. You know, he's like, we don't hire more people because we're trying to do you a favor. Right. Right. So we have the store has like hired two more people in like the span of a couple of months, which is terrible because I still am not getting any breaks. I don't know how that happens, but okay. But um, hire two more people. And I'm still not getting any more breaks. And today, right, I got paid my money. Usually I get paid my money on Fridays. But for some reason, I got paid today. And so 
I didn't realize it because I, I thought that the money came from a different spot and I didn't realize that it was my paycheck. And then I looked at it and my paycheck was the highest that it's ever been because last week I worked six days straight or not six days straight. I worked six out of seven days. I worked in like almost two weeks or in the span of like nine days, I worked eight of nine and it was the biggest paycheck I've ever had while working at Dollar General. Give me like two seconds. Sorry about that. And I was mega pissed off. I was super pissed off. I was pissed off because I was like, what the fuck? People keep on, like, I, I, it's, it's just not even, like, I know the lies. I know they're lying to me. I know they're lying to me. And I'm just like, guys, like, can you not come up with better lies? I know you're lying to me. Stop fucking lying to me. Tell me why you won't fucking hire more people and just come out and say it. Come out and say it. You're lazy. That's why you don't want to hire any more people. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm just so annoyed with it because I'm like, you guys could have fucking solved all of these issues weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago. But instead, you didn't. For some weird reason, you decided to uh, to fucking bullshit around and do whatever you've been doing. And I've, I have had it with this foolishness. But um, yeah, like, I quit yesterday. I put in my two weeks notice. Thank God. And um, I also, I also um, got paid the most I've ever been paid. And I'm just, oh God, I'm so annoyed. Unbelievably annoyed. It's just annoying because it's just like, I just, just do basic shit, man. Like it shouldn't be this fucking hard to do very, very basic shit. Like hiring people. And they're like, eh, no, we don't want to hire people. And so, whatever. I'm very annoyed. But, um, not annoyed, not as annoyed as they probably will be either next week when they got to figure out my schedule or the week after. Because I am out of there. Out of there. Out of there. Out of there. Anyways. <clears throat> um, let's talk football. And... Oh yeah, by the way, the reason why I didn't podcast yesterday when I was supposed to podcast because I was supposed to have Thanksgiving off, but I literally was just up all night watching Sherlock Holmes because I finally set up my uh my TV or my old TV in front of my like in front of my couch and stuff like that and I was just watching TV for hours and hours and hours. It was awesome. I was watching the Sherlock's Home the Sherlock Holmes TV show with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. Awesome. Awesome time. And I just lost track of time and I fell asleep multiple times i apologize for that but um anyways that's that's why i I wasn't there i'm i'm on i'm on like what is it crunchy roll store i'm trying to find a bunch of black friday deals because i i like deals i like saving money and also there's a ton a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of like sales that I actually want to pursue, like video game sales, like Blu-ray DVD sales on Crunchyroll. They have the entire like Naruto series on sale right now. Like usually it would be like third, like 40 bucks per collection. 
I was like, shit, I'm a huge Naruto fan. I got it like one day I want to get the entire Naruto series. Why not get it now? I'm not really trying to save money. I'm trying to like, but at the exact same, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm like, I'm not trying to save money, but at the exact same time, I just don't want to burn through all of my money trying to buy all this shit. I don't know. And I'm like literally scrolling on Crunchyroll right now. Long story short, I got a lot of decisions to make in the next couple of hours when I'm done podcasting today. Anyways, let's talk about Super Bowl, not Super Bowl, but MVPs, right? MVPs and MVP caliber players, right? So this year has been overall and collectively a very weird year. It's been a very, very weird year because teams that should be good and should be better are playing significantly worse than they really should be. Like, it kind of started for me when I when I first saw Kansas City play in that opening game against the Detroit Lions. I was like, man, Kansas City is way off the, the, uh, the pace that they were last year, losing to Detroit. And this is when I was. This is when everybody thought Detroit was going to be a bad team this year, and they're they're actually a pretty a pretty good team. Are they good enough to beat the Chiefs? Though I don't think so. I think the Chiefs really played a horrendous game, more so than the Detroit Lions playing an awesome game. And that's with the hindsight that that Detroit is like one of the leaders in the NFC. They're I think two games behind the Eagles. And I think they're one game up against the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys, two teams that I have over the Detroit Lions. Ironically enough, it looks like Detroit is pretty much going to avoid all three of those teams outside of the Cowboys. They're going to play up against the Cowboys in late December in the second to final week of the regular season. But they're going to avoid the Eagles, and they're going to avoid the uh, the Niners, and they're just barely going to avoid the, uh, or excuse me, they're just barely going to play against the Dallas Cowboys. And so, there are a lot of teams in both conferences that are performing above expectation. The Lions kind of come to mind. The um, the Browns are another team. Who else is like performing above expectation, for me at least? Give me like two seconds. The Broncos are two games behind the Chiefs. So are the Raiders. The Steelers are six and four. The Texans are as well. I mean, a lot of AFC teams are performing at a high level. I mean, hell, even Seattle is like six and four. I mean, they're two. They're three games behind the Eagles and the Lions. Technically, the Lions are one game. I thought they were two games. They're one game behind the uh, the Eagles. So, I mean, it's really, really important that the Lions win today because they can potentially be tied with with the, uh, with the Eagles. The NFC South is a joke. Here's the thing. I don't think Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes are going to have an MVP caliber player. I think it's obvious. I think that, you know, they have, what, what's it called? Super Bowl burnout or Super Bowl hangover? That's what it's called, right? I think they have a little bit of that. I don't think they're celebrating their win and that's why they're losing games. I just think that they essentially thought, well, shit, let's run it back and we're going to be great because this team was great enough to win 
a Super Bowl last season. Like, why wouldn't we be able to do it again this season? And unfortunately, while the Chiefs stayed the same, everyone else got better. And that's kind of why they're in the spot that they're in currently. It's why the Chiefs are just not anywhere close to the level of certain teams, especially when it comes to weapons. And so where do the Chiefs go from here is a good question. I talked about it, I think, on Tuesday, kind of ad nauseum, where I was like, I think the Chiefs have to go out and get somebody, like another wide receiver. But the problem is that there's not any doggone wide receivers that they can get. And so it's kind of like, yeah, you know, like we'll see what happens overall with the Chiefs. But when it comes to the MVPs or the MVP of the league, it's I don't think it's going to be Mahomes this year. I think really the the three main guys, maybe four, I think the three or four main players that are going to be in contention for the MVP are going to be Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, CJ Stroud, and Lamar Jackson. I think those four players are really the names that people have to look out for. I think Brock Purdy is kind of like just out of the contention, but people keep on mentioning his name, so I'll just mention it. I don't think he wins the MVP. There's way too many games where you're just like, holy shit, like he's not contributing at all to the team's overall success. And when he when everything isn't perfect around him, when Christian McCaffrey doesn't just bust out like 100 yards per carry, or not 100 yards per carry, but 100 yards in the game, his offensive line isn't dominating and Debo isn't just killing people when things aren't going his way or when he's trailing, then Brock Purdy isn't very good. And I think, I think that's like a symbol of how the 49ers kind of don't rely on him as much as they rely on all of their other players. And I think most people have that same perspective of like, yes, Brock is, you know, he has like great stats and he has great statistics and stuff like that. But we saw him when he didn't have Trent Williams. We saw him when he didn't have Debo Samuel. And he still had great teammates around him. He still had... George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and he was still not very good and so I think he's kind of out Lamar Jackson is probably out as well just because yes he beat the Bengals last week but he also lost to the Browns the week before that like in this horrendous loss where you're like how do you, how do you lose to the Cleveland Browns when you're up by 16 points and then it's just like you realize he had two turnovers in the fourth quarter I think in his own territory as well And you're like, oh, that's how you lose to the Browns. And so I think Lamar is out. I think he was probably the leader at most points in the regular season. And then it's just like he just just had bad performances and bad games. And now I think it's on a Dak Prescott and also C.J. Stroud. Look, you can't tell me that Dak Prescott plays a bunch of cupcakes and... You know, like he he only performs and plays well against cupcakes and that's it and da-da-da-da-da. And he shouldn't be really acknowledged as a star football player or whatever when he's not playing up against good teams. Let me show you the Houston Texans schedule. They're 6-4 and four right now. They go up against the Jags, who they already beat. Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. So the Titans, they play them twice. They have essentially a backup quarterback. These those those were like their next seven games, by the way. So two of their seven games 
are going up against the Titans, who are hopeless, aimless, and lossless with backup quarterbacks. Jets and Broncos, or Jets and Browns, are kind of like the exact same thing. Great defense for the Browns, but they don't have really that, that much of an offense. They don't even have a semblance of an offense. Even without Deshaun Watson, they still don't because they don't have Big Chubb, Nick Chubb. And so now you're talking about four teams in the next seven weeks, technically, excuse me, five teams, because I forgot to count the Indianapolis Colts, more on them in a little bit. But you have five teams with backup quarterbacks. For everybody that wants to say that Dallas plays up against tomato cans, five teams, backup quarterbacks, and then the sixth team outside of the Jags that you're playing up against, the Denver Broncos, Denver is up and down, it's terrible, we don't know what to make of them, even after the win against the Vikings last week against Josh Dobbs, I, I would say that the Vi- not the Vikings, the Broncos aren't a very good football team. So the next six of seven for the Houston Texans are against terrible teams at points and mostly against backup quarterbacks. I don't think that sounds like an MVP caliber resume to me. And by the way, I predicted that the Houston Texans may go to the playoffs. I said, and I'll say it again, this week's game, 1 o'clock, huge game, Jags at Texans. Texans already have the tiebreaker against the Jags. If you look at the standings, the Texans are 6-4, and four, Jags are 7-3. and three. Texans win on Sunday. They get the one seed in the division. Something to look out for. It's a very, very, very important Uh, game on Sunday they would be I think one game behind the Ravens at that point maybe two again it's a huge game or didn't they beat the Ravens or did they come close to beating the Ravens let me look at it really fast hold on let me look at the Texans really fast did they beat the Ravens or did they come close to it I uh, I don't I don't remember give me two seconds to look it up they play up against the. St- I'm I'm overlooking this because they, I'm like they play up against. No, they lost to the Ravens nine to twenty five. My bad. I was like I'm overlooking the game. I can't find it. So the Ravens do have the tiebreaker. So they are like three games behind the Ravens. So I don't think they'll be able to catch up via the one seed. But they're going to be close if they win on Sunday. We'll see if they can. But six games against either bad teams or backup quarterbacks, that doesn't sound like an MVP caliber season to me. And then we get to the Dallas Cowboys, who everybody says has been playing pancakes, tomato cans. They've been insulting the caliber of teams that they've been playing against over and over and over and over and over again. And then you look at their season in December, and it's brutal. Next week on Thursday Night Football, they play up against Seattle. I mean, this week, obviously, they go up against the Commanders today. December 10th, the week after their Seattle Seahawks game. I mean, they have three regular season home games. Excuse me. The Commanders, the Seattle Seahawks, and then what will be one of the biggest, most important games of the year. Revenge against the loss that had happened in Philadelphia earlier this month. The Eagles go down to Dallas for what will be one of the biggest games of the year on December 10th. 
Then it's the Cowboys at Buffalo, Cowboys at Miami, and then the Lions to finish off this five-week stretch of impossibly difficult games. You have another top seed in the NFC coming to town in Dallas and the Detroit Lions. So in five weeks, they go up against essentially five playoff contenders and two conference rivals, one in the Detroit Lions and one in the Philadelphia Eagles. If Dallas wins four of five games and Dak Prescott isn't a complete liability, I think he takes it. Or at the very least, I think he should get it. The three-week stretch, or not even the three-week stretch, really. The stretch of games after the 49ers game where Dallas won 20-17. Dallas has been immaculate. 43-20 against the Rams. 28-23, a loss against the Eagles. However, that loss was horrendous. The officials robbed the Cowboys, etc., etc. We don't need to get into it. 49-17 against the Giants, and then 33-10 to 10 against the Panthers. The Cowboys' just volume of points that they've scored, their total wins, are just incredible in the last couple of weeks. And then to make matters worse, you have difficult teams coming in that will essentially bolster the Cowboys' resume because really one of the main reasons why you have to be or not have to be, excuse me, but one of the reasons why you become an MVP is because you have the resume to kind of back it up. You have the teams that are dominant, that are great, that you've beaten, or you have good teams that you've beaten, et cetera, et cetera. And Dallas really doesn't have that many good teams on their resume, which is ironic because the Dallas Cowboys, once again, last month beat the Rams by 23 points, and the Rams, I think they just beat Seattle, right? Yeah, they just beat Seattle 17-16. Beat the Jets also, but nobody cares. Nobody cares. Beat the Jets who beat the Eagles, obviously. That's the connection that I'm trying to make. I think this next month could be really, really interesting for Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys because Dak is playing the best football he's pretty much ever played in his entire career. And the Dallas Cowboys are essentially on a hot streak right now offensively. Dak hasn't turned the football over in over a month. The defense for the Dallas Cowboys at times, plays great. Played really, really good against the Eagles. Wanted a little bit more from them, but hey, the refs kind of screwed them on that. I refuse to say anything otherwise. And now it's like you have this three-game home stretch against the Commanders, Seattle, and the Eagles. And then you get to take on the sliding Bills and the Miami Dolphins. And then you get to go home again and go up against the Lions. And mark my word, circle the date. These five games, Seattle, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, will make or break the Dallas Cowboys season. They'll either be the one seed in the conference, Dak will be the MVP of the league, and Dallas will have a strong, strong, strong consideration for being the one seed, or not the one seed, but the number one contender for the Super Bowl. And it'll be like these five game stretches, get ready, because either people are going to just beat down on the Cowboys because of how many losses they have, because Dallas probably won't be able to qualify for the playoffs if they lose more than two games. Or people will be like, holy crap, Dallas is the real deal, and then Dallas Cowboy fans will be very, very juiced up going into the playoffs. 
And uh, we may not see Dak Prescott play for over a month. Or not over a month, but for three weeks. Because he probably won't play against the Commanders. Or two weeks, I guess. Probably won't play up against the Commanders on January 7th. And he probably won't play the next week because the Dallas Cowboys have the one seed. But it all starts today with their game against the Commanders at home. And, um, and we'll see if Dallas can essentially close it out against the Commanders or start the close out against the Commanders. They already shut out the Giants. Giants don't have a win against them. The Eagles, they'll split the division with. And the Commanders, we'll see what happens here today. Only opening game. Anyways. A little bit of MVP conversation. Anything else I got to say? About Dallas? I don't think so. Let's talk about Shaq Leonard for a little bit. So Shaq Leonard, really awesome football player, top-tier edge rusher, one of the greats. Or not edge rusher, linebacker. I don't know why I said edge rusher. Let me get some Red Bull. I'm tired. It's so weird how tired I am, like, all the time. Like, I can nap and sleep forever now. And it just, it doesn't replenish me. It's very weird. Like, I've been resting for, like, four to five days straight like since Sunday, and I'm still tired. Give me like two seconds. Hold on. to my mini fridge and I had to step over all of these wires and do all this stuff to be able to uh to get my Red Bull because it's in my mini fridge that I got from work ironically enough hold on sorry about that there we go oh god The sugar-free Red Bull, that's the way to go. You never want to have the sugar in it. It's like, why do you you want sugar in your Red Bull? It already energizes you with chemicals and stuff like that. I don't know why you would want it. But, anyways, Shaq Leonard. And this happened so weirdly to me. Shaq Leonard, Colts superstar, all-pro, Pro Bowl linebacker, gets released a couple of days ago. Why? I have no idea why. I I really don't understand it. It's a head-scratcher to me. It's very confusing to me. You could maybe argue... I mean, you could maybe argue that the reason why that the Colts would want to release Shaq Leonard is because the Colts wanted to save money on him, but you only would have saved like $6 million by releasing him or technically. Yeah, you would have because they already paid the majority of his salary this season. It's a very, very weird thing. Apparently what was going on was that, let me take a swig of my Red Bull. Apparently what was going on was that 
Gus Bradley, the new defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, did not scheme his defense towards Shaq Leonard, which already doesn't make any sense. He's just like, yeah, we're just going to play. We're just going to play football my way. And um, that's just what we're going to do. That's just how we're going to play football, which makes about as much sense as you would expect, I guess. He's just like, yeah, we're just going to go out and play football and we're not really going to be that good and all that good stuff. And Shaq Leonard was very, very frustrated by that. He was frustrated by his lack of snaps, his diminishing snaps his diminishing snaps, excuse me, because they took him off the field on third down. Why would you take a coverage linebacker? Because the because there's confusion on who Shaq Leonard is, what he does, and why is he so important to the Indianapolis Colts defense, and also why he's important to the NFL as a chess piece that can be acquired by any team as a, as a whole. So what, what is Shaq Leonard? Shaq Leonard is a coverage linebacker. Coverage linebackers are essentially the new bread and butter of the NFL. They are the new guys that are, um, they are the linebackers that are not like Ray Lewis that'll stop the run and all that good stuff. You can put Shaq Leonard out in space, in zone, and he will be able to feel where the quarterback will be able to throw the football and he'll either make a play on the football because he is very long and lengthy or he'll be able to make the tackle, or he'll be able to disrupt the pass. He's not good in man-to-man coverage. He's very good in zone coverage. Now, because he's so good at zone coverage, and because he's so important, and because, and the reason why he's important is because the only thing that the NFL does essentially all year, every single year, is throw the football, right? Teams are more concerned with throwing it than running it, and because he is so good out in coverage... It makes him incredibly valuable as a linebacker, as well as his ability to create turnovers via forced fumbles. I mean, he had one of the best punches in the NFL when it came to punching out the football. He was a turnover machine. He was a coverage machine. He was great for the Indianapolis Colts, and they just released him. Now, the thing about Shaq Leonard, let me talk about him a little bit after I take a swig of my Red Bull. Hold on. The thing about Shaq Leonard that should also be said is this. Shaq Leonard has also had issues with injuries. Especially and specifically, especially specifically with this nerve injury with his foot. Where it was so bad that to help relieve it, he had to have surgery on his back, on like his spine or something like that. Because I don't know what it was, I don't know what was going on, but to like try and help relieve the pain. He tried to have surgery on his back or something like that. And apparently that helped a little bit or maybe it didn't. I'm not really sure, but Shaq Leonard, the perception in the Indianapolis Colts organization was, well, look, we, we love Shaq. We have this other young linebacker that's coming up and being really, really good for us and helping us out a whole bunch. And he's kind of replaced Shaq, uh, Shaq Leonard, excuse me, as a football player. But um, we don't really need him anymore because we have this other guy and we'll kind of move on from him. And when you look at his stats, it's like 
He doesn't have any forced fumbles anymore. I mean, when he was in his apex, like in 2021, he had eight. You know, like an insane amount of forced fumbles. In his rookie season, he had 163 tackles. Now, weirdly enough, when you look at Shaq Leonard this season, he had like 65 tackles, which is essentially what his career average is. He'll get you about like 120-something tackles per year. And he's at 65 total tackles right now, and he's at 34. And so you're like, hey, you're fine with that. Now, a lot of them are assists, but you're fine with the hold with what he's done as a football player. It's just it's a very very weird thing for me. I don't understand it. I don't really get it. And immediately when it happened, I thought two teams would 1000% benefit from Shaq Leonard uh being released. Huge coverage linebacker, long lengthy wingspan. Can also help stop the run with forced fumbles. And also, realistically, the Indianapolis Colts didn't play to his strengths and didn't play in a scheme that could benefit him as well. With all that being said, I think he would be a awesome Dallas Cowboy or awesome Philadelphia Eagle. Let me take a swig of my Red Bull. Hold on. So... Why do I think that he would be an awesome cowboy or eagle? Well, here's the thing. Dallas lost Leighton Vander Esch earlier this year to like, I mean, to I guess another neck injury. And Leighton is probably gone. He's probably retired. It sucks for Leighton Vander Esch. The only consolation is that he made a lot of money while playing in the NFL. And Marquise Bell, the really, really strong linebacker for them, Number 14 has been awesome for them, but they may want to add somebody who's better. And Shaq Leonard could potentially be better, especially in their scheme. For some weird reason, and, and I mean, Stephon Gilmore also played in the Indianapolis Colts scheme, and Malik Hooker as well. Like, Dallas has taken a lot of former Indianapolis Colts and have kind of revitalized parts of their career. And T.Y. Hilton, by the way, as well. Dallas has taken a lot of guys from the Colts and have kind of revitalized some of their careers. Obviously, T.Y. isn't playing, but T.Y. is is just old. But Stephon Gilmore is having a really, really awesome season this season. Malik Hooker, they just signed to, like, a small, like, three-year contract. But you'll like that if you're Malik. And now it's like you have the chance, to me, as Dallas, to be able to get the crown jewel outside of DeForest Buckner from the Indianapolis Colts, who I believe can still has probably one or two all pro years left in him. And Darius Leonard fits perfectly within your scheme. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can kind of help relieve Micah Parsons. And I don't know if he can definitely, I don't know if he can be the signal caller for your defense. I don't think he should or really needs to be, but Shaq Leonard to Dallas is incredibly intriguing because that's pretty much one of their only areas where you're just like, man, they they have a lot of great players everywhere, but damn, Shaq, but linebacker and Shaq Leonard to Dallas is, I mean, absolutely incredibly intriguing, especially when it comes to playing in zone coverage, which Dallas does with their linebackers, not with their corners. Let me take a swig of my Red Bull. To continue that thought to the Eagles, 
Eagles and the Cowboys are very parallel. Eagles lost their star linebacker and N'Kobe Dean a couple of weeks ago, but he's supposed to be coming back. Dallas lost Leighton for the entirety of the season. But the Eagles probably would want a more long-term solution than a rental. I think Shaq Leonard to Dallas will probably be a rental. He would go to a contender. He would probably play for said contender. Shaq Leonard to the Eagles may be a long-term solution, kind of similarly to how Malik Hooker is kind of a long-term solution for Dallas when it comes to safety. And so, because of this, and also the Eagles as a whole would probably want a turnover heavy linebacker or somebody that can help generate turnovers because that's one thing that Dallas does. Another reason, by the way, why Dallas would probably want Shaq Leonard is because he commits a lot of turnovers. But the Eagles kind of don't have that same guy on their defense. And it's just as simple and as easy as like, wow, like we would 1000% want Shaq on our team to do exactly that, to help turnovers, create turnovers for our team. And also the reason why both of these teams would want Shaq Leonard is because he's excellent in pass coverage. I mean, both of these teams would want him to be able to cover not just the running backs coming out, but also to cover the middle of the field. The Eagles would want Shaq Leonard to essentially replace N'Kobe Dean and probably be a better version of N'Kobe Dean because both of these teams, especially the Eagles, would want a more solid, or not a more solid, but a better just overall player at linebacker for them because I kind of don't have really anybody. And I think that's mega important to emphasize. It's like the Eagles don't ha- really have a strong linebacker. Dallas has a bunch of really, really good players, but the icing on the proverbial cake on, on their defense is Shaq Leonard, in my opinion, because I felt I felt like for years it was him, Fred Warner, and Bobby Wagner that were the, th- the three best linebackers in the NFL. And it literally wasn't only two years ago that he was one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And if he's playing on a bad scheme that doesn't slide towards him, then, excuse me, then he could really benefit from playing with Dallas and the Eagles. We'll see what happens with the Eagles. I think Shaq Leonard, I think wherever Shaq Leonard goes, and I think he probably goes to Dallas or to the Eagles, unless there's just some weird team that's just out there that we're just missing. But I think, and by the way, immediately when he got released, it was just like, boom, boom. It was like, Shaq Leonard to Dallas or Shaq Leonard to to the uh, the Eagles. I think wherever he goes to, he will be an important and imperative addition to that football team. And to the team that misses out on him, I think they'll uh they'll be real they'll be it'll it'll be a net loss for them. It'll be like, wow, I can't believe we didn't get him. That sucks. We're in for it now. As I'm watching. Okay. I'm watching the Cowboys try a quarterback sneak and stuff like that. I'm watching the Panthers game right now. Anyways. Interesting chess piece. Shaq Leonard. I don't know if we'll hear of anything for Shaq Leonard until like Monday, Tuesday. If you want my honest opinion about it, because again, I, I think whichever team he goes to, it'll be a benefit towards that team and him. I don't think he is in any rush to go to either team 
to get a home, to get a spot. I think his major concern is, let me find a home. Let me find a place where I'm supposed to stay. Things of that nature. If you want my honest opinion about where Shaq Leonard goes, uh, let me see. I don't know. I don't know. I think he probably goes to the Eagles. The reason why I think he probably goes to the Eagles is because Dallas will probably say, eh, we like our guys and we'll play our guys. Dallas is very predictable in that nature. If something isn't 1,000% going their way, they don't compromise. They're terrible at negotiations. If essentially, if they don't say, if a deal is not like 1,000% in their favor, they are unwilling to compromise whatsoever. I think Dallas maybe has a cap space for it. Like if Dallas wanted to, yeah, they have $6 million in cap space. If they wanted to, if they wanted to claim him off of waivers, they could have done that. They were like, eh, we're not going to do that. The Eagles probably have a little bit of cap space as well. Yeah, they have $3 million. So both teams, the Eagles couldn't have claimed him off of waivers, but Dallas could have, but they probably would have been held responsible for his contract, which I don't really know what his contract was, but I, I don't know his team. Like, he's waived, so I don't know what it is currently. But it is interesting. I think both of these teams are interesting destinations. I think the Eagles probably get them. Just because Dallas is horrendous at being able to acquire huge assets. But um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens overall. I'm excited for it. Shaq Leonard is a huge, huge chess piece. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Anyways. What else do I got? Shaq Leonard. Talked about Shaq Leonard. Oh, we got to talk about the games that are supposed to be played today. And then we'll peace out. <clears throat> I'm like, is there anything else? Packers at Lions. Eagles, or not Eagles, Commanders at Dallas. And then the 49ers versus Seattle. The three games going on today. Thanksgiving. And by the way, there's this interesting premise and this weird premise. Like, let me spend a couple of minutes on Dallas. Because the narrative essentially for the last like three to four weeks has been Dallas plays up against bad teams. And we like we don't take Dallas seriously because they beat up on bad teams and they don't win against good teams. Well, Dallas has really only played up against two teams that would be regarded as playoff teams. That's the 49ers and the Eagles, and they both lost to them. However, those two teams have lost to other teams. Like, for example, the 49ers losing to the Browns, the... Uh, Niners, not the Niners. Uh, who else did they lose to? The Browns, the Vikings, and the Bengals, right? They lost to those three teams, and then they've been on a really, really nice streak over the last couple of weeks, beating the crap out of the Jags and beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Eagles, we all know, have lost to the Jets. Here's the thing about the Cowboys, and this is something that I find eye-rollingly annoying and frustrating. The narrative has gotten so bad on Dallas that essentially people are saying that, like, um, they aren't going to take Dallas serious. Like, it's Dallas's own fault that they aren't taken seriously because they only beat up on bad teams, which to me is 
stupid because you could say the exact same uh, same thing about CJ Stroud and the Texans. You could say that about a lot of teams because a lot of teams don't play up against the class of their conference. Like the people like a lot of people forget that the two teams that Dallas lost to this season were two of the best teams in the NFL, two of the best teams in the NFC. And in the second loss, which was marginal against the Eagles, they lost really because of horrendous officiating and a couple of really, really bad mistakes. I mean, the Luke Schoonmaker touchdown where he's getting held is just diabolically malicious um, because of the Eagles, or not the Eagles, but because of officiating, et cetera, et cetera. I don't just want to make make officiating be the folly of the Cowboys, but goddamn, man. Like, the fact that people are just constantly saying, like, we don't care about the Cowboys and da-da-da-da-da, get ready. In a week and a half or not even a week and a half, in a literal week, they go up against another playoff contender in Seattle, and they're probably going to whoop their asses as well because the Rams just whooped their asses last week. But there was this, I mean, there was this interesting conversation that was had on, and I was I was tuning into a morning show. I also tuned into, what was it called? It was It was the Fox morning show or something like that. It was a Fox morning show, and Fox was like, well, not the Fox morning show, but the halftime show, and Fox was like, you know, it's not fair that the Cowboys essentially have played up against all of these, or maybe not even all of these, it, not fair, it, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said not fair, excuse me, but the Fox broadcast with Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long and all these guys, they essentially were like, look, we're not going to take Dallas... No, no, it, yeah, it, sorry, I'm tired, I'm demonstrably tired, I don't know why. It wasn't Fox, it was ESPN. And ESPN, the broadcast said, look, Dallas hasn't played any serious contenders or any serious teams this year, and da-da-da-da-da, and it's kind of not fair because Dallas kind of just doesn't really have, uh, doesn't really have like a strong resume as it pertains to being a deep playoff contender. They've beaten teams like the Carolina Panthers and also the Giants, who are two awful teams, which is ironic because the Giants just beat the Commanders horrendously badly, by the way, last week when the Commanders, uh, excuse me, when the Giants had Tommy DeVito, who's a quarterback who's living in his mom's basement. But the Commanders, or not the Commanders, but the theory that was hypothesized on Fox Sports 1 with, like, Richard Sermon or... I, I forgot where it was. It may have been Get Up. I forgot where it was. Like, all of these shows are just so synonymous with one another. It, the wires get crossed, and it's like, I can't remember some of these shows because they're kind of so forgettable and formulaic. But the theory that was proposed was, well, since Dallas only plays up against bad teams, they need to play the Eagles on Thanksgiving because they never play up against the Eagles on Thanksgiving. Which, by the way, I agree that um, they never play up against the Eagles on Thanksgiving and that would be blockbuster. That would be huge. Especially considering the fact that as much as people bitch about the Cowboys and how and how much the Cowboys... All, like, everybody complains that the Cowboys shouldn't be on Thanksgiving and that another team should be on Thanksgiving, but then everybody watches the Cowboys game and not the not the freaking Detroit Lions game. If a team is going to get flexed out of Thanksgiving, it's not going to be the Cowboys ever. It's going to be Detroit. Just that simple. 
or realistically if a team if people want teams to play on thanksgiving then the sunday night football game should be the game that you should want your team to play on it's why we have the 49ers in seattle because there will only be two teams or two games on thanksgiving now they added a third one and on top of that they added in a black friday game so you can suck it and shove it for people who are like, Dallas shouldn't have a Thanksgiving game. And da- Dallas should... And let, let me speak how everybody wants to speak about that. Da- Dallas should get flexed out of Thanksgiving. We have three other games, literally, in the span of 24 hours on Thanksgiving and Black Friday. Stop complaining about the Cowboys. But there was this concept of, well, Dallas should play up against a hard team like the Eagles on Thanksgiving. I would argue, bring it on! Bring it the fuck on! On top of this, and let me say this. A couple of a couple of years ago, the Eagles and Howie Roseman and all these and all of uh, these other guys were like, look, we think that it's unfair that the that the uh, the tr- that the traditional Thanksgiving teams, Detroit and the Cowboys, play have a guaranteed home Thursday night football game or Thursday game on Thanksgiving, and they need to rotate when they play at home and when they go away, right? That proposal, led by the Philadelphia Eagles, did not get anywhere in the NFL, specifically and especially because it was just like, okay, fine, hey, if you want to do that, if you want to have the Cowboys flex out of Thanksgiving, or technically speaking, if you want them to play away essentially every other year, then guess what, motherfuckers? You're going to be the first team that has to play them at home, and then the next game, and then the next year, you can have them play away somewhere else. But the thing about the Cowboys and this weird proposal, this weird, like, and again, it's just people foaming at the mouth and just wanting the Cowboys to either lose or wanting them to play more difficult opponents. It's like the difficult opponents will literally come in a week. They go up against Seattle in a week. Then they go up against the Eagles in two weeks or technically two and a half weeks. The difficult opponents come, will come. It's ridiculous to make all of these huge grandiose proposals that everybody freaks out about every single year whenever something doesn't go their way. It's like the exact same thing that people freaked out about when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and other teams on Thanksgiving. When we don't have like awesome, spectacular football games on Thanksgiving, people will complain, well, we need other teams on Thanksgiving and da-da-da-da-da, and then they get those other teams on on Sunday night on Thanksgiving, and they suck. The games suck. It's like having another Thursday night football game. For some weird reason, Detroit and Dallas always get up for Thanksgiving. It's like a holiday tradition for both of those teams. And then Dallas brings out the kettle, and then the kettle is now fun because they throw crap in it, whether it's players, footballs, money, whatever the case may be. They throw crap into the Salvation Army kettle. It's a lot of fun. It's a tradition that started with Zeke and Dak, and it's carried on for the last couple of years. I love Thanksgiving. I love, well, technically, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all right on Thanksgiving, but I love the games, and especially I love the Cowboys game as well. Detroit could use some work, and I think um, this year it should be fun because Detroit is actually a pretty doggone good football team. But 
my whole point with talking about the um, the Eagles being flexed into a Thursday night Cowboys f- um, football game in Dallas on Thanksgiving, it's just like, sure, fine, hey, whatever. Hey, no, but but here's the thing. No network is going to do that. No network is going to be like, we want Thursday night. We're going to have the Cowboys, excuse me, play on Thanksgiving Day against the Eagles. Nobody's going to do that. Do you want to know why? Because the Cowboys already get insane ratings on that Thanksgiving game. It doesn't matter if they're playing against the Giants or the Commanders or whomever. They play Thursday, not Thursday, excuse me, Thanksgiving games and they whoop ass on Thanksgiving, right? It's just that simple. They whoop ass when it comes to the ratings and to the on-field play. But on top of them winning games on Thanksgiving and doing all that good stuff, the Cowboys also bring in huge ratings. Why would you double dip as a broadcasting network onto the Cowboys when you can just get one of those Eagle games? You can get one of the Giants games and have essentially one of the highest ratings or highest rated games of the year without even needing to use that Thanksgiving boost. I think this year, CBS has the Cowboys versus the uh, the Commanders, which is a huge boost for them because they never have that game. It's usually Fox. And so if you're CBS, why would you double dip and be like, yeah, we want both of those Thanksgiving, why, why, uh, excuse me, we have, we want both of those Eagle games instead of just having one. It doesn't make any sense. For everybody that's like, play up against the Eagles, play up against a difficult game. Those difficult games are going to happen it's not like the Cowboys are avoiding opponents. They will happen literally in a week. I don't know why I just went on that rant, but it, I, it, it, it was very, very annoying for me to hear some of the crap that was spewed out over the last couple of days. Not just that Dallas plays up against weak opponents, but Dallas also, for some weird reason, is like avoiding weak opponents. This is the implication. And to force them to play difficult opponents, we need to flex them into the Thanksgiving game. That just... That's stupid. Let me take a swig of my Red Bull. Anyways, on to the Thanksgiving games. I think the Lions beat the Packers. I think the Cowboys beat the Commanders. Sunday night football. 49ers at Seattle on Thanksgiving. Or technically it's Thursday night football, but it's on the NBC broadcast, so it's like Sunday night football. 49ers at Seattle. I would take Seattle. If Geno Smith was playing. I think the Seattle Seahawks are literally built and they have tried to build towards beating the San Francisco 49ers. They got Leonard Williams or Dexter Lawrence, whichever one, the the Giants interior defensive tackle to try and stop the run with Christian McCaffrey because they understand that Christian McCaffrey is the reason why the 49ers win football games. They're running game, and if, they're, and if they have some form of an ability to stop Christian McCaffrey and the San Francisco 49ers run game, they can win this game. And there is not a single corner on the 49ers that can cover, whether it's DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, or Jackson Smith and the Jigba. They can't cover any of those guys. None of the corners. I think Seattle's offensive line is good enough to do both. To run the football and also be able to effectively pass it. 
I think the Seattle Seahawks win this game if they had DK Metcalf, not DK Metcalf, excuse me, but Geno Smith. But Kenneth Walker and Geno Smith may be out of this game. Let me see. Ian Rappaport was tweeting out something. I mean, he's always tweeting something, but I don't know if he tweeted out yet that Geno Smith was out. Let me look at it. <clears throat> Hold on. Geno Smith is in. I'm going to say he's, I'm going to say the Seattle Seahawks win. I don't know if Kenneth Walker is going to be in, but I'm going to say he's going to be in, or I'm going to say the Seattle Seahawks are going to win on Sunday night football. And then the Dolphins will win tomorrow against the, uh, the New York Jets. There is also these two head coaches, Ron Rivera and Mike Vrabel that are kind of, there's been two kind of reports on both of these guys. Mike Vrabel, the word out on the street on him, the Tennessee Titans head coach, is that his job is safe, he has nothing to worry about, etc., etc. Which to me is just straight up stupid. I mean, like, we're, we're not even talking about, like, Mike Vrabel having a good record, being a good head coach, being... A effective, an effective leader and making effective decisions. I mean, this before he traded away or the Tennessee Titans traded away AJ Brown, which it is now known very much that Mike Vrabel was against that decision. It's why his former GM, I don't even know what his name is, got fired and not Mike Vrabel last season. And they hired another GM. But their decisions over the last couple of years has just, it hasn't been good enough to compete with any of the other teams in their division. And the sad part is, is that all three of their teams have now passed them, right? They had essentially the most dominant running back pretty much of the last 20 years in Derrick Henry. They wasted his entire career and is in the prime of his career. He was on the trading block this season. Nobody wanted to pay the price that the Tennessee Titans wanted for him. And, the Tennessee Titans are now just anemic, they're disruptive, they're terrible. And I have no idea why you would want Mike Vrabel. It just, he seems like he's a lame duck head coach. And now word on the street is, his job is safe. I'm like, well, why, why is his job safe? He's done nothing. The only thing that he has done that you can maybe say is like good or whatever is that he has, he was vehemently against trading A.J. Brown. His, his apprehension at trading A.J. Brown wasn't obviously enough to stop the trade from happening. Which frustrates me. It really does. Not that they still don't have A.J. Brown, but that that could potentially be the reason why he is still in Tennessee and why his job is reportedly safe. I'm like, what has he done this season? It's like they gave up the lead. They're three and seven. They're god awful. I, I just I don't understand that their offensive line, and this is this goes beyond 
the A.J. Brown trade. It's like Caleb Farley they drafted. He was bad. He's still bad. He is terrible, right? Their secondary is a mess. They gave up Kevin Byard, who's like one of their only good players, for essentially peanuts. I still would have kept him, but it, they, they may be trying to do something here. If you're the Tennessee Titans, your next goal, your next objective should be, hey guys, we want to try and go after Caleb Caleb uh Caleb Williams or Michael Penix Jr. or Shador Stan Sanders, excuse me, if he comes out, or Drake May, one of those three guys. And it's just like, guess what? You're not the worst team in the NFL. That's like the Panthers who are at one and nine right now. Then it's like you got the Bears who are three and eight, the Cardinals who are three, who are two and nine, and then you got the Giants who are three and eight. It's like you got a lot of ground to make up. You got a lot more games to lose. And it's just they've they never had a plan for how to deal with Derrick Henry. They never were like, let's go out and let's get a dominant quarterback or more offensive lineman or whatever. The fact that they were just like, yeah, we're just going to st stick with our guys and we're going to roll with who we got, got to roll with and we're going to try and bolster our defense in every single defensive acquisition they got, every single one that they made turned out to be essentially an overpay for certain guys like Bud Dupree. You know, they overpaid for him. Terrible pick. Terrible pickup for him. Caleb Farley, terrible pickup for them. I think they got like three corners and they're, and they're just all, they've drafted like three corners last couple of years. All of them are nowhere near the level that they should be. They're not, I mean, some of them aren't even barely starters. And on top of that, we're in a passing league. We have, you know, quarterbacks throwing the football 30, 40 times. Offenses are schemed towards quarterbacks. And you're behind in the Stone Ages being like, well, we're just going to run the football 30 times Derrick Henry. And we're not going to have any dominant passing attack either. Forget about A.J. Brown. They just don't have a passing attack. Really infuriates me. It really does. But um, his job is is safe, reportedly. Which for me is unbelievable. It's It's hard for me to believe that report, but apparently it's the case. I don't know why it's the case, but apparently it's the case. And he's safe, he's fine, and they're going to roll with Mike Vrabel for the God knows how manyth year in a row, and he's not very good, and he'll probably stink up the joint next year, and they'll probably make a bunch of bad decisions again next year as well. Again, I have... No idea why his job is safe. None whatsoever. It makes zero sense to me, but it is what it is. Finally, as I'm almost done drinking my Red Bull, ironically enough. Finally. The Washington Commanders head coach with Ron Rivera and Washington as a whole. Ron Rivera has been a disaster. He's been a disaster. I always quote how he has not had essentially multiple winning. I think he's only had, what was, what's the stat? It's like he's had three winning seasons in like 11 years. Like it's insane how bad of a head coach he is. And it's just essentially the media likes Ron Rivera as a coach and as a person, and that's why they kind of give him an easy... Yeah, it's three winning seasons, all of the last one being in 2017. 
The last time he went to the playoffs was in 2020. That was when the NFC East was a disaster. Dak Prescott was hurt. The Eagles were doing the Jalen Hurts is a Taysom Hill quarterback. He can be a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end type of thing. It was Doug Peterson's final year, by the by. And also the Giants. I mean, they were the Giants. They were god-awful. They're still god-awful. And so... That and by the way, they had a seven and nine record. They didn't have a winning record. And so the Giants are not the Giants. The Commanders have rolled with Ron Rivera. With um, I don't even remember his name. What, what, the uh, the former owner who was a weirdo and who got fined like seventy million dollars by the NFL and had a terrible workplace culture and all that horrendous stuff. When they hired Ron Rivera, I was like, Ron Rivera isn't a good head coach. He's not a good head coach. His final couple of years in Carolina were 7 and 9, were, excuse me, we going all the way back to 2016, 6 and 10, 11 and 5, 7 and 9, and then 5 and 7, and then he was fired after week 13. Like, he would just, he wasn't very good at the end of his career with Carolina. And as immediately when he, when he gets hired, I was like, he is not hired off of his merit, off of his ability to coach. He is hired off of his ability to be a shield for the former head coach, or not former head coach, excuse me, but the former owner of the commanders for his dubious and duplicitous actions. The owner was a terrible person who let a lot of terrible stuff go on in his organization, and Ron Rivera is essentially supposed to be the sponge that is supposed to suck up all of the criticism and a negative attention that his owner will bring to the table. And that's what he was. And that's kind of what he is. The problem is when you change owners to somebody who isn't just chaotic, who isn't just dysfunctional, and who sets up a horrendous workplace culture, when you get past all of that, and then you get to the brass tacks of, are you a good football coach? The answer, or not the answer, the consequences become very clear. You get fired. And the thing about the Commanders are is that they have had one of their worst seasons ever under Ron Rivera. They're four and seven right now. Four and seven. When they went to the playoffs in 2020, they were seven and nine. That means they lost two more games than they had than they have right now. Than they've lost right now on the season. We still have essentially a little bit under half a season to play. We have like six more games left to play. And it's like the, um, the Washington commanders were seven and nine in 2020 and the year in which they went to the playoffs. And now they're four and seven, 2021, seven and 10 lost three more games last year, 2022, eight, eight and one, right? This season, they're four and seven about to be Four and eight because they're about to get shellacked by the Cowboys in what should be Ron Rivera's final year. And apparently, the owners, the new owners of the Commanders are like, look, we're going to look at everything this offseason. They're probably going to change the name, thank God, because the Commanders suck. And they have this pig as their mascot called Major Tutty and everybody knew about the rebranding and it was it was so bad but they're going to look at the name 
They're going to look at everything. And one of the things that they're probably, they're probably not going to fire Ron Rivera during the regular season. They're going to be like, Hey, we get it. It's been mega dysfunctional for you as a head coach. We're going to let you ride it out. We're going to let you kind of, you know, have your moment and ride off into the sunset with, you know, like, like some pride, but we're also going to fire you here at the end of the season. I cannot see these new ownership groups, this new ownership group, rolling with Ron Rivera for the next half half a year at minimum, for the next three months. I mean, he's done in Washington. I mean, there was this press conference where they were, um, they had a, what was it? They were debating on whether or not Sam Howell was going to be the starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders. And all of the media was just like, we are surprised. What was it? Like Ron Rivera was like, like, man, I'm surprised at how good Sam, Sam Howell is. If I knew how good he was last year, I would have played him last year. And all of the media, like there was this media guy, this beat, um, this beat writer, this journalist that was like, well, apparently Ron Rivera didn't watch practice last year because we knew how good Sam Howell was last season. And so these two head coaches, one of them that is like, about to be on the hot seat, like especially if it goes down the way that everybody and their mother thinks that it's about to go down. Apparently, Dallas is like plus 13 against the um, against the commanders right now. Like they have like, apparently Vegas is predicting that they'll be plus for 13 or something like that. And it's just like, my God, dude, are you shitting me right now? And I, I can only imagine just how bad it is how bad it will be, excuse me, if they lose by that type of a margin for Ron Rivera. But again, I don't think he'll be fired this year. I think we'll start hearing reports of, yes, he he is on the hot seat, and yes, you probably will be fired. But Ron Rivera, man, 4-7 and seven this season. He could finish. What's their, what's their schedule looking like, the Commanders? They'll probably beat Dallas again at the end of season, because I don't think Dallas will put up a fight, if I'm 100% honest with you, <clears throat> but, oh, Jesus, god damn, I, but also, like, the commander is losing 31-19 to against the Giants last week, god, man, they get the Cowboys today, Dolphins, Rams, Jets, Niners, Cowboys again, I mean, Is that or is that not like four to five losses right there? And you're already sitting at seven. So that's like 11 to 12 losses right there. I mean, you can maybe beat the Jets. You can maybe beat the Rams. Maybe you beat the Cowboys and and you split it where you're like three and three now. So you're seven and 10 again. God damn, man. It just, it's like. It just keeps getting worse for this team, and I just, I hate it. I hate it for this team. But as the Cowboys fan, I, I love it for me. <laughs> like, as a Cowboys fan, I love it for me. Oh, my God. It's fantastic for me. I just got some of the players that are supposed to be playing today, and they have, the NFL has really tried to push this whole, we're doing it for John Madden type of thing, you know? We're, uh, we're playing football in honor of Madden, John Madden, and what he did on Thanksgiving, and we'll never forget John Madden. Look, John Madden, good head coach, better broadcaster, but you forget about broadcasters. Like, I 
I didn't realize John Madden because again, I'm a millennial. I didn't realize John Madden like stopped broadcasting in like 2008, 2009. You know what I mean? Like Marv Albert has been the voice of basketball for me since I was a kid. And he retired last season. Like he was just like, I'm done casting basketball games. He was awesome when he did it. But Marv Albert, like I thought I was going to, I was like, how is, how are, how am I going to watch basketball without Marv, without Marv Albert? And I'm like, oh, I'd like, like I normally do because I, I watch, like I'm watching the Fox pregame show on mute right now. And it's just like, I don't need the broadcast. I don't need like play-by-play to watch football or basketball. I understand the sport enough to be able to watch it with my own eyes and be able to make like conclusions based off of it. And so when Marv Albert retired last year, I was like, I was distraught. And now it's just like, it's perfectly fine. When John Madden retired, and again, he's a better broadcaster than he was a head coach. It was just, it was fine. And then he passed like, what was it? A year or two ago. And now the NFL is essentially trying to have this, like they're essentially trying to do what the NBA did with Kobe Bryant. Excuse me. Where now the All-Star game is kind of this this um this game that the NBA plays in honor of Kobe and they have this this really cool point system that I liked. They may have gotten rid of it by now, but it's it's um but it was cool at first and it was really really effective at first and the NFL was like, "Shoot, we'll do that when um we'll do that with John Madden." And it, like, look, John Madden is a great broadcaster. John Madden is not the equivalent of Kobe Bryant in the NFL. Okay? And I like I feel like it's a bit performative that the NFL has essentially just cuz it's out of nowhere. You know what I mean? It's just out of no like I don't think anyone was asking for this huge honoring of John Madden in the uh in the Thanksgiving game and now apparently it's just something that they're going to do forever now and I'm like if John Madden was so important why didn't you honor him when he was alive like the reason why we're honoring Kobe even three years after he died is because Kobe like was really really young after he like after he retired from the NBA I mean he was in his 40s you know it just feels performative it feels unnecessary and now they have these horrendous patches on the players' jerseys that they wear in honor of John Madden. And I'm just like, guys, like, what are we doing? You know? I, I just, I don't understand it. I, I really don't. But, um, and I remember watching, like, and it was so out of left field, too. I remember watching these, um, like, the broadcast a little bit before the Thanksgiving games were about to happen and they were like, yep, we're going to like, they had these huge tributes to Madden, like on every single net uh, network. They had like these five minute tributes. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And then they were like, we'll never forget what John Madden did on, on Thanksgiving. And I was like, dude, you do realize like some of these tapes that you have of John Madden on Thanksgiving, you do realize they're like on CT, uh, CRTVs, like they're on like VHSs and stuff like that. Again, he's a great broadcaster and he's a great head coach or a good head coach. But I mean, come on, guys. Like, let's just play football on Thanksgiving. Stop trying to act like John Madden is Kobe Bryant. Or stop trying to like make this about John Madden and stuff like that. It's just like, bro, we're just here to play football like we always do on Thanksgiving. 
And I kind of hope they stop it because it's it's so out of left field and it's so weird to me. Because for me, like like when in the last 10 years, really it's 2023, 13 years, when it comes to football on Thanksgiving, I never thought of John Madden, ever. It was cool when he was doing it and he's easily one of the best broadcasters we've ever had when it comes to professional football. But again, like broadcasting has a shelf life and it's literally as soon as you start with your big network or whatever with your highest of highs and then when you leave that highest of lies that's when your broadcasting career declines or it just fades away entirely and it's just it's the business it's the nature of the game I've watched basketball normally like I have every single year without Marv Albert and I'll continue to watch it without him and he's great he's awesome but when you go away from the limelight you go away from the limelight and the limelight shines on somebody else so uh, anyways i'm peacing out i'll see you tomorrow i think i already predicted the games dallas over the commanders lions over the uh the packers and who else is playing seattle over the niners uh dolphins over the jets i'll see you tomorrow until then i hope you have a fantastic day 24's podcast